Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast brought to you by BetMGM, where you can get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 when you use the highly original promo code BETTINGPROS with your first deposit. All right, here with me to talk NFL Week 15 market movement and power ratings, as well as Thursday night football between the 49ers and Seahawks. It's lucky timing. It just worked out that way. Uh, Here with me is noted Seahawks fan Ben Baldwin, who contributes to The Athletic, and he runs the aptly named Ben Baldwin Fourth Down Decision Bot on Twitter, uh, as well as the NFL Faster Database and uh, the Great Stats website, rbsdm.com, a.k.a. RBs Don't Matter. Uh, ben, how's the season going for you? Uh, pretty good. Um, the Seahawks aren't as terrible as I thought, although the, the recent trend isn't great. Um, at least they're entertaining. So from that perspective, uh, I can't complain too much. And uh, it's I, I just I, I love the NFL and it's great to be here in season with, with the playoffs coming up. So uh, it's it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, not as bad as I would have expected at the beginning of the year, where I I very cleanly had them ranked in my bottom three. Uh, And then, you know, for a stretch of the year, they looked pretty good. Disappointed, however, in week 14, and we will certainly get into that. Uh, So, you know, Ben, you do a lot in the, uh, the sports analytics space. I'm wondering, like, kind of the background, how did you get into this? Yeah, so my background and training was in economics, so... For my day job, I basically use data to do research and write research papers and stuff. And then um, a while back in my free time, I watched a lot of football. And uh, at the time, this was maybe like five to seven years ago, there wasn't as much like numbers-based approach to looking at the NFL. And that, that's kind of how I got into it, where like I, I found play-by-play data and started playing with, around with it. And at the time, there wasn't like this big explosion of other people doing that. So I, I think it was easier to stand out at the time than um, it would be now perhaps. And um, it kind of grew from there where now there's, yeah, the the fourth down bot in the website um, and this other stuff that uh, I think people have found useful, which is uh, fun to see. Yeah. The the fourth down bot, uh, fantastic for a few reasons. One, it's great to consult it in real time. And uh, just to have uh, confirmed some recency bias, or not recency bias, but confirmation bias, the uh, the idiocy of what we we see on a daily basis uh, in the NFL with the decisions that uh, different coaches are making. Can you talk a little bit about the the fourth down bot? Uh, and, and everyone should definitely go check it out. I, I feel like it's one of those like must to have open uh, while you're watching football games, especially later in the games. Um, but like. What what are what are some of the biggest uh, decisions that have have popped up this year that that stood out on the fourth down bot? Is like, man, I I cannot believe, or maybe I can believe they made that decision, but this really confirms uh, the stupidity of what I just saw. Yeah, I, when you talk about fourth down decisions this year, you, you have to start with that Denver Week One trying a sixty four yard field goal or whatever it was in Seattle and, instead of going for fourth and five. And yeah, we've learned since then that the Broncos' offense is not very good, so maybe they wouldn't have converted anyway, but like if you're, if you're trying for the longest field goal in NFL history outside of sea level in Seattle, then uh, it, it's probably not a good idea. I think the other one that stood out a lot was, I think it was like week three or something when the Chargers played the Chiefs and both of those teams had so many short yardage, like fourth and one, fourth and two situations. And both of them just kept punting back and forth to each other, even though like their offenses were doing really good and there's no reason to not expect to be able to convert those at a high rate. So that those are the two games of course, primetime games are the ones that stick in our minds, and those were those are the two that um, have stuck in my mind so far. Although I'm sure there'll be others, especially in the playoffs, pretty soon. 
All right. Well, you know, this is the uh, the power rating show and the market movement show. And so, you know, the two teams uh, at the top of basically whether you're looking at uh, actual power ratings or, you know, market based power ratings. And by the way, I, th- I think you put out market based power ratings uh, each week, kind of looking at, OK, here are the Vegas lines for this week and next week. And so, you know, kind of uh, triangulating all, all the, the different spreads and totals. Here are the, uh, the market-based power ratings. Uh, so everyone should check that out on Twitter, but you know, whether you're consulting what I would say like sharp power ratings or just kind of general, Hey, uh, you know, here's uh, you know, I'm a square, but here's what I'm thinking about these teams one through 32, the teams at the top are Kansas city and Buffalo. Uh, and I'm wondering how it is that you stack those two teams in particular. Uh, I'm still higher on the chiefs than the bills at this point, but, uh, I think a lot of sharp people do prefer the bills. How do you kind of distinguish between those two? Yeah, I think them being pretty close right now is right. And this has flipped. If you'd asked me like a month ago or, or so, I would have had the bills a lot higher, but they, like, they have not played as well recently. There's the Josh Allen hurt his elbow. Von, they lost Von Miller. They, they've kind of come back down to earth where earlier in the season, they were just crushing everybody they played. And that's not really the case anymore. So I would put them at, in a tier by themselves together. And then it's kind of the, the next group after that. And I would guess at, at this point, whoever was uh, the home team would be favored if, if those two teams played each other. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of the Bills, uh, here comes the plug. We're giving away a free signed Isaiah McKenzie Buffalo Bills mini helmet from Pristine Auction. If you want a chance to win it, subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on the video and we will announce a winner on the channel in a future episode. So turn on those notifications. All right. Based on what we saw this past week. Uh, the 49ers have moved up a lot for me. And this was probably because uh, I, I wouldn't say I overestimated the impact of Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense, but I've had uh, a pretty healthy respect for what Garoppolo has done within the confines of the Shanahan offense in the half decade that he's been here. I don't think Garoppolo is an elite passer, a, a top tier quarterback, but within the scheme and, and given that he knows it so well through his tenure there, he's been you know, like in terms of the completion percentage over expectation and EPA composite metric that you have at your website, he's been a, a top five quarterback. Uh, and so I imagined that the drop from Garoppolo to Mr. Irrelevant third string rookie quarterback would be pretty significant. And uh, at least based on what we've seen in like a game and a half of action now, the drop hasn't been as big as I would have anticipated. And so I have moved the 49ers pretty considerably back up to where I have them now as the number six team in my power rankings. Uh, And so they are the team that has moved up the most over the past week. Uh, And then also the Chargers, the Panthers, and the Rams. Uh, Any thoughts on those teams, specifically the 49ers? Yeah, definitely agree on the 49ers. I think that was perhaps the biggest question going into this weekend is how their offense would look without... Jimmy Garoppolo and, and with a full game, knowing that it was that Jimmy G was not going to be their starter. And I, I'm not sure how more convincingly they could have answered that question. And it, it now, yeah, it makes sense to have them as uh, not in that top group of teams with the, the uh, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, but kind of in that next year after that, um, which is kind of where they were before almost. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, Certainly not a team that we can write out as a write-off as not having any chance in the NFC. Uh, although, isn't um, didn't Brock Purdy get injured? So, uh, if he doesn't play on Thursday, this um, some of this conversation uh, might 
have to shift to what we think right. they would be with with another quarterback. So that's that's kind of the caveat behind all this too. Yeah, I'm saying all this under the assumption that uh, that Purdy will play, but uh, I guess we can't take that uh, at, at face value there. Um, the Chargers, that was a, a really good win over the Dolphins here, and they did it with a, a number of key players missing on defense, uh, and so that you know is all the more encouraging. Uh, any thoughts on what we saw out of the Chargers this past weekend? Yeah, it was definitely encouraging. They they were not expected to win that game, even though they were at home. And um, it was a very convincing victory. I, I think the, the final score made it look closer than, than it probably was. And the Dolphins were helped a lot by that weird Tyree Kill play uh, in the first half. But I we've seen the Chargers offense be really good in the past last year. And they do have some players, like eventually Joey Bosa is going to come back. Eventually they will get other guys back. And if they can seek into the playoffs... Yeah, there's a lot of other good AFC teams, but I wouldn't be super excited to play them if, if they were my playoff opponent, especially the Chiefs, because for some reason, the Chargers just always play really well against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. All right, so two teams that uh, have moved up in your estimation. We have the Bengals and the Jaguars. Uh, can you talk about what you saw out of them? Because obviously both of them had uh, very good wins uh, this past weekend. Uh, kind of where are you? where are you tiering them now? Yeah, so I think the Bengals are pretty close to as good as the Eagles and Cowboys. So that's, they're not the Bills and Chiefs. Those are the two best teams. And I think everyone would probably agree on that. But I think after that, the the Bengals have to be taken seriously as kind of in that next group of teams. And I mm-hmm. think, like last year, I was pretty skeptical on the Bengals for a lot of the season. Uh, a lot of their offense was due to explosive plays and like they, their efficiency metrics weren't that good. And like all the nerds said this throughout all of last season. And then they made us all look very dumb because they ended up winning the conference and going to the Super Bowl. But I think they're a much better team than they are last year. And um, it, as funny as this is to say about a team that won their conference last year, I, I think they are, uh, they've shown themselves to be um, kind of in that next group of teams um, after the top team. And um I wrote them as a riser and yes, their, their win over the Browns was impressive, but I, I'm kind of also to a little extent um, lumping in their, uh, the prior week, which, which was their win over the chiefs. So in the last two weeks, I, I think like my, my view on them has, has increased a lot um, both because of the Browns game, but also the, the chiefs game is fresh on my memory too. Yeah. So I have the, the chiefs and the bills kind of in a tier, but I don't have the, the Eagles all that far below them. Uh, and then I have the Cowboys and then I have the Bengals and there's a chance that I am not high enough on the Bengals that I should have them a little bit closer to the Cowboys uh, than I do. I have the Bengals right now, five points better than a, an average team on a neutral field. I have the Cowboys six points better. And I mean, yeah, as you say, like we have, we've seen some impressive displays from the Bengals and their offense and the way that they're generating points feels more sustainable this year than what we saw last year. Last year, it felt like they were punching above their weight class. And then this year it feels like they've grown into the weight class and it's, it's a little more sustainable. So uh, the Jags, I mean, they feel not exactly like the Bengals last year, but they feel like a team that is starting to take those steps forward where they have a second year quarterback who is starting to mature. They've put pieces around him. You can see it all starting to come together. And, you know, they had a pretty impressive performance against a, a tough Titans team. Now the Titans, 
very injured on defense. So you, you kind of have to adjust for that a little bit, calibrate, but still an impressive win by the Jags. What are you thinking there? Yeah, and that, that's a team that has just owned the Jaguars over the years. And um, they, they finally got a win over the Titans and they bounced back from what was a nightmare game against the Lions the week before. The, I put the Jaguars here because I think they're an interesting team in that a lot of the advanced measures really like them for a lot of the season. Their their point differential is pretty good. Their performance on early downs, all this other stuff. So in my head, I, I kind of had them as like a sneaky team that is probably better than we thought. And then, of course, two weeks ago, they just got drilled by the Lions. So then after that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give up on the Jaguars for this season. They'll they'll get their high draft pick and, and come back next year. And But now they, they come back and have a very impressive game against um, the Titans. And now I'm, I'm very interested to see how this uh, game against the Cowboys goes that is this weekend. Yeah. And we'll, we will definitely touch on that game uh, in a little bit. So a, a team that I've moved down the board uh, based on what we saw last week and really also the week prior, the Browns. Uh, now I would say I was maybe on the more optimistic side of what we would have expected out of that offense with the insertion of Deshaun Watson. Um, and so maybe I'm sort of adjusting back to where I maybe should have been, but it has not been good. I, I think even if you were just sort of like a, a neutral uh, in terms of where you would assume this offense to be, you probably would be adjusting down based on what we've seen. But uh, this Browns team offensively does not look good and they've had defensive problems uh, for the entire season. So I've adjusted them. Uh, let me see a point, uh, 1.25 points uh, from last week to this week uh, downwards. And and then also the Buccaneers and the Raiders. Uh, I mean, I've just been, I've been too high on the Buccaneers. I'm probably still too high on the Buccaneers, but uh, I mean, what happened to them in San Francisco was uh, just absolutely embarrassing. And, they uh, just each week seem to uh, incur more and more injuries on the defense. Uh, and then the Raiders, uh, I mean, come on. The the Rams, Baker Mayfield with like two days on the team, like just got the playbook and, and you lost. Uh, and that's not even taking into account a month before you lost to Jeff Saturday, like fresh out of uh, ESPN. I just, I, I can't do it. Uh, I, you know, I, multiple times I've said, I can't bet on the Raiders anymore this year. Like if my number shows value on the Raiders, I'm not buying it and I just can't bet it. And I'm, I'm there once again. Uh, and so those are the three teams uh, that I've downgraded the most, the Browns, the Buccaneers and the Raiders. Uh, any thoughts on those teams? Yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on the Browns, especially where like I am shocked at how bad their offense has been. Their offense was really good with Jacoby Brissett. And yeah. the last time we saw Deshaun Watson play in, in 2020, their team wasn't good, but like he was great. Their passing offense was great. It was just everything around them that was not good. So you'd expect to drop him into a team with a really good offensive line, Amari Cooper, David Njoku's back now. Uh, and they, they have they have weapons, an offensive line, and a play caller who's been getting the most out of Jacoby Brissett, and their offense has just fallen flat on their face for two games in a row. So I, I think this is really surprising. And it kind of reminds me of, not to make everything about the Seahawks, but the Broncos had kind of a decent passing offense last year with Teddy Bridgewater and everyone was like, okay, they have this passing offense is pretty good. And they're going to take Russell Wilson and put him in there. And now it's going to be even better. And that, that's very much not been the case with the Broncos. And, and now with the Browns, we're, we're kind of seeing it again. And I have no explanation for why this might be with Watson because he's like, he's not old. He's not injured. Maybe he's just rusty, but I, I would be very concerned if, if I were a Browns fan or someone running the team, given their investment in him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any thoughts on the Buccaneers or the Raiders? Uh, 
yeah, I, I agree that we can – the Buccaneers might make the playoffs, but <laughs> I, I would not be super scared of them if I, if I were an NFC playoff team. And, like, it's weird because on paper they have – they have receivers. Their offensive line has had injuries and problems, but it, it's not the worst group in the world. And they still have Tom Brady. So you, you would think that eventually they're going to put it together. They're going to put it together. And it, it just has not happened for them. And given that it's been so long, it, it kind of seems unlikely to think that it, it will be at some point. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Raiders are, well, I just saw them beat the Seahawks in Seattle, which, which is another story. But yeah, the, that, that Rams game was kind of embarrassing for them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with the Buccaneers, uh, it feels like the main problem is the play calling, you know, uh, the the play calling, yeah, the sequencing. Yeah. Uh, they have an offensive coordinator who doesn't know what EPA stands for. <laughs> you know, like, I I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of, of people in the NFL who don't know what EPA is, but I, I feel like that's just a sign and symbol of the issues facing that offense. Yeah, they're, they are determined to run the ball on, on first and 10, especially, and their run game it's one thing to run the ball if you're not terrible at it, but you have, they have a decent pass game. They have a terrible run game and they just insist on running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And it's, it's just not, it has not served them well. Yeah. All right. So uh, a team that you have moved down the board uh, since uh, last week, the Vikings uh, who just got shellacked uh, by the lions. Uh, and I mean, the thing is like, you know, the line moved towards, uh, moved towards the lines, you know, like the betting market got it right on this one where the lines opened as, uh, as underdogs, they closed as, as favorites. Uh, you know, the, the casual football fan might've looked at the, the win loss records of these two teams and said like, Hey, like what's going on? Vegas is setting a trap for us. Uh, and no, the Lions just went out there and took care of business and looked pretty good doing it. And the Vikings, on the other hand, didn't really look that good while they were getting their butts kicked. Uh, what are you seeing with the Vikings here? Yeah, the, the Vikings have been a weird team because, yeah, they, they keep winning games, but their like, their point differential has been bad. They've, they've gotten pretty fortunate in a lot of their close games. If I were a Vikings fan, what I would have been telling myself all this time is that, okay, this is all true, but Kirk Cousins hasn't been playing that well, so maybe he'll start playing better and then the team will actually be one of the top teams. And yesterday he did play better. Their passing offense was amazing, and their defense was just so bad that it didn't matter. So, uh, again, it's we're getting so late into the season that I think um, it, it's reasonable to wonder whether they're going to put it together. And that, that loss yesterday probably knock them out of a realistic chance of getting the number one seed. And it's pretty hard to see them winning three games in a row against NFC teams to actually win the conference. All right, let's get into the, uh, the market movement part of the show and uh, a number of games we could touch on. We will definitely look at Thursday night football, uh, San Francisco at Seattle. Uh, we'll do that at the end of the show. Uh, one game I want to touch on here. Uh, and we mentioned it earlier. Uh, the Jags hosting the Cowboys. Now, in the offseason, this number was three, three and a half. In the look-ahead market on Thursday, this was six and a half. And then we saw the Cowboys play, uh, you know, barely beat the Texans. Uh, definitely did not cover as big favorites against the, the lowly Texans, who are, uh, you know, if not the worst team in the league, Certainly bottom three, uh, front runners for the number one pick. Uh, and we also saw what the Jags did uh, against the Titans. And so this number reopened uh, at, I believe, five and a half, and it has moved to five. Uh, and so, you know, there are reasons to be interested in uh, in what the, the Jags are doing here. By the way, I'm pulling this number from BetMGM. 
Reminder, you can get that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 with the promo code BETTINGPROS with the first deposit. Uh, any thoughts on the market movement here uh, in this game? Yeah, I think it makes total sense given like, you don't want to react to one one game from any team, but given what we saw from the Jaguars and given what we saw from the Cowboys, it, it's not out of the question that this is going to be a close game on Sunday. And um, given that's the case, some, something close to seven probably felt like a bit much. Um, and I also think the movement from before the season is interesting where we've seen the Cowboys be a lot better than expected. And the Jaguars are, are probably about what we, what we would have expected, but then, yeah, the, then there's this past week, uh, week and we have to take into account. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is already gone to four and a half now at Caesars and FanDuel. And it would not surprise me if it continued to move in that direction. The Cowboys, uh, without right tackle, Terrence Steele, who uh, has a, a torn ACL, and I believe also MCL, so he's out for the year. Uh, and so there's some uncertainty about what they're going to do with the right tackle position. Uh, they are already without two starting cornerbacks. And uh, Trevon Diggs uh, has a thumb injury that he's dealing with. And so even if you assume he's playing, uh, he's not going to be a full health. And there's a chance he might not be playing. Uh, and so you have a, a Cowboys pass offense or pass defense, which, uh, you know, can be prone to allowing big performances now uh, operating at far less than full capacity going against uh, a pass offense in the Jags, which is starting to come along. So uh, certainly some line movement there. I could see, I could see this continuing to move towards the Jags as we get closer to kickoff. Uh, Another game here, we talked about these two teams earlier, the Bengals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I mean, this has been a, a total flip. In the offseason, you had uh, this number for the Bengals, plus three, plus three and a half, and it has totally flipped. It was minus two and a half for the Bengals on the Thursday look-ahead line, and it reopened on uh, Sunday at three and a half. And honestly, given that it's already plus three and a half, like where does where does Buccaneers money come in? If there's even Buccaneers money in the market, like who is desirous to be betting on the Buccaneers at this point, given what we've seen out of them, like one of the worst teams in the league against the spread. And then especially just even like worst teams against, against expectations, like general football expectations. And so this number is three and a half. I haven't seen it move to four at any sports book, but it would not surprise me if this line started to move. What are your thoughts here on this line? Yeah, I would not feel good, good taking taking the Buccaneers, and yeah, they, they've just been such a disaster. And yeah, I I think it's interesting the flip in the line in, in that the Bengals made the Super Bowl last year, but weren't probably weren't expected to be that good this year, but actually have proven to, as we talked about earlier, be a much better team than perhaps many expected. And, and we've seen the exact opposite for Tampa Bay. So I I, I think the the flip from preseason is appropriate, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the Buccaneers are going to do here going forward. They, they just have not looked good for a long time. What is the line that it would have to be to make you think, okay, now I'm betting on the Buccaneers? Seven? When I, you know, like <laughs> what is, you know, like where, where is the number? Yeah, and, and actually feel good about it. So. I, so I should say this. I, I'm on a betting pod here, but I'm, I'm not a sports better. I, I I think there's a lot of very useful information in betting markets, which is why I pay attention to them. But no, nobody should uh, care about my betting advice in and of itself. With that said, yeah, I, I would I would never if it was less than like four and a half for sure. I I would not feel good betting on Tampa Bay in this situation. Yeah, yeah it's yeah we're not we're not near the number yet. Uh, one one game 
that you wanted to talk about here. And it's, you know, it's intriguing because we just saw these two teams play each other two weeks ago. You have the Washington commanders hosting the New York giants, the commanders coming off of the bye. Um, this in the off season market was three, three and a half going towards the commanders in the look ahead market on Thursday, it was four. Now it is four and a half. And, uh, this game has been moved to, uh, the, the primetime game here on Sunday night football. I mean, given that we just saw these two teams play two weeks ago and it was a, you know, a weird performance, uh, that ended in a tie, uh, how are you evaluating uh, these teams and uh, thinking about this line here? Yeah, I, what, I had it at this game because I, I thought the line movement was interesting because I'm not sure what we – like the Giants got killed by the Eagles yesterday, but I'm not sure that's exactly surprising. So given that they just tied and neither of these teams are that great, I think it's interesting that it, it has moved so hard towards uh, Washington, who I think is a better team, but I don't know if they're – Four and a half points as a home team better than the Giants. Yeah, it, it feels like this is the combination of the market thinking the uh, the commanders are a little bit better, you know, maybe significantly better, but then home field advantage and the buy, the combination of those two things together. But, uh, you know, I think coming off of the buy, home field advantage means a little bit less. And in division, home field advantage doesn't mean as much as it normally does. And so... Yeah, I know that there are some sharp people who do like the commanders in this spot. I'm on the other side of it. I I prefer the Giants, but uh, yeah, this this number might be about right. And I think if it had to go one direction or the other, it's not going to go in the favor of the Giants. I think it would continue to move towards the commanders here. Uh, okay, one one more game that I I want to call attention to. We we mentioned the Rams earlier. And uh, I mentioned how, you know, obviously they they crushed me uh, on Thursday night football uh, last week. And now we've got them playing on Monday night football. So even though they're going against the Packers who are, you know, having full rest off of the bye, uh, the Rams are getting sort of like a super mini bye from Thursday to Monday night football. And with Baker Mayfield presumably starting in that game, uh, that extra time, I think, means more than it normally would for a quarterback because he's just learning the playbook, acclimating to the offense. Uh, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers at home, he's been great historically. Uh, as a favorite, you know, it's not always the case. In fact, it's usually not the case that quarterbacks uh, outperform expectations as favorites. But Aaron Rodgers historically does. And Aaron Rodgers off of a bye has historically been good. So you're putting all that together in this situation. And the the line movement is just hilarious. I mean, these are two teams uh, that the NFL schedule makers had to feel so pleased with themselves months ago when they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put these two teams facing each other week 15, Monday night football. It's going to be like a must-see game. Might be one of the games of the year. Like it, it could be a, a preview of two teams uh, in the NFC championship game. And uh, I mean, obviously, both of these teams have underwhelmed the expectations that people had for them. In the preseason market, this was a pick'em. This game was a pick'em, and now even with the Packers underperforming expectations in the look-ahead market, this was nine. And then the Rams went out and beat the Raiders, and it moved to seven and a half in the look-ahead. It opened uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday Sunday at eight, and is now at seven and a half. Uh, I got to say, I like the Packers here, but it does feel a little bit disgusting to be laying this big of a number 
against any team, but this big of a number with the, uh, the Packers here who have underwhelmed, but any thoughts on this game in particular and, and these two teams? Yeah, it, it is interesting how, um, how the fortunes of these teams have shifted since last year, last year they had, they also played each other very late in the season. Um, and it was a great game. And I'm sure, like we said, schedule makers were anticipating something similar this year and it, it just hasn't panned out. Yeah, it, it does feel like a lot of points for the Packers to be getting. And they played a lot of bad teams without covering or, or even winning, although they, they have been a little bit better recently and they've had their buy and they're at home. And it you could definitely talk yourself into Baker Mayfield struggling in this environment and having an avalanche of the, the Packers just blowing them out. and. I don't think that would surprise anybody, and I'm sure that's partially why why this line is so high, even though the Packers have, have uh, not been blowing teams out recently. All right, let's get to uh, Thursday night football here. Uh, 49ers on the road at the Seahawks. 49ers favored by three and a half, the over-under of 43 and a half. Now, uh, man, I got to say, this – this has been a, a weird evaluation because I, you know, I last week was looking at this number in the look ahead market and it was one and a half. And I was thinking, okay, Brock Purdy. No, you know, like Mr. Relevant. No, I'm not buying it. And you have the Seahawks hosting the Panthers last week. And I thought the Seahawks were going to take care of business and that this number might have a chance of moving to three towards, (laughs) towards the Seahawks. And uh, boy, was was I wrong there. Um, but man, I you know I locked this in at one and a half. By the way, here comes the plug. A, a horrible bet that I made. Uh, plus one and a half on the Seahawks, and it's already three and a half now. But I bet this in the look ahead market, plus one and a half. And I logged it in the Betting Pros app, where you can sync up with sports books, get free betting advice and picks, and track different experts and your own bets. And you can set alerts. We monitor all the major sports books, so when one of them has a line move that hits a threshold you've set. You get an alert that tells you where to make the bet at the book that provides the most value. Download the app today in the Apple or Google Play Store. Okay, this game, I honestly do not know what to make of it because I've adjusted uh, to try to account for the fact that I was way too low on uh, on Brock Purdy. Uh, and I've adjusted uh, that I was maybe too enthusiastic about the Seahawks, uh, who I think have really found something with Geno Smith. Uh, that said, I'm still not anywhere close to this number of three and a half. I have this projected at 2.25 and, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm, I'm just being too optimistic here on the, the, uh, the Seahawks, but I see value in the Seahawks here. I don't know, you know, you as the, uh, the, the person who loves and hates the Seahawks, do you have any thoughts on, on this matchup here? So I can start with the pessimistic side, which is, I, I, I think most of the time in the NFL, defense doesn't move the needle a ton. But if there is, a hand, if there are a handful of defenses that matter this year, I think the 49ers defense is one of them. And, and we've seen them um, shut down the Dolphins, shut down the Buccaneers, or whatever that's worth. And the last time these two teams played, the, the Seahawks did not score an offensive point. So there's one path that this game takes where the, the 49ers defense dominates and the Seahawks just cannot do anything on offense. And I think this is more likely than I would have thought like a month ago or something, but the Seahawks offense has just not been the same offense that it was the first five weeks of the season or so where they, they've struggled even against the Rams backups and 
the Panthers and they they just haven't been as explosive. So as from a CX fan perspective, I, I think that's uh, reason number one that this um, this game worries me. And then reason number two is the Seahawks defense just cannot stop anybody on the ground. The, the Raiders ran for a billion yards and Josh Jacobs had 40 fantasy points or whatever. And then um, even the Rams had a decent run game. And then, of course, the Panthers yesterday barely needed to throw the ball because the Seahawks couldn't stop their run game. And if there's a team whose run game you might be scared of, it would be the 49ers against the Seahawks, I think. And the, the 49ers haven't always had a dominant run game despite Shanahan's reputation, but given how poor the Seahawks have been at stopping their run, I I think that is going to be a serious challenge for them as well. The one glimmer of hope, I guess, for the Seahawks is that the 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 status of uh, Purdy is is in question. So if, if it really is their four-string quarterback, then that's when you would think that the Seahawks would have, have the most chance to win this game. But otherwise, I, I think it's just a, a bad matchup for a Seahawks team that has not been playing that well recently. What do you see as the, uh, you know, kind of stepping outside, having a little more of a macro conversation here, but the the long term for Seattle. And so, you know, there's the possibility of re-signing Geno Smith. They have these first round draft picks coming to them. And, you know, those could be some pretty good picks with how poorly the Broncos have played this year. They had a good draft, uh, you know, got two two tackles for the offensive line. Uh, starting to rebuild the defense. They've got some pieces there. So what do you see as the future? Yeah, so I think the big question is what they're going to do at quarterback. And that that's kind of question A before all other questions. And then the other dominoes would fall into place from that. It kind of sounds like if we believe the sources of rumors or whatever, that their, their goal is to re-sign Geno Smith, which I would have been a thousand percent on board with maybe a month or two ago. but his his play and the, the overall play of the offense just haven't been as high where I don't think it's a no-brainer anymore to want to sign him to a market-level deal when you do have what is right now the number two pick in the draft in, in a draft where there are quarterback prospects, just given given the advantage of having a, a quarterback in the rookie contract and, and all the cost savings for that. But I'm not running the Seahawks. They never do what I want them to do anyway. So I'm, I'm just going to assume that they will re-sign Geno Smith and then they have something like four picks in the top 40 or something like that with, with their pick and the Broncos pick. Not top, not top 40. It depends on where their own pick finishes this year. But four very high picks. And I'm assuming they will spend most of that on improving the defense because the, the defense has just been, um, for the most part this season, very bad. And I'm sure that's killing Pete Carroll inside because that, his background is as a defensive back and uh, defensive coordinator. And, and that's his baby and I'm sure he wants his defense to be good. And if it takes pouring a bunch of resources into the defense over the off season, then I'm, I'm guessing that's what he's going to do. All right, Ben, awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us. Tell the people where to follow you on social and where to find your work. Yep. I'm on Twitter at Ben B Baldwin and uh, links to everything else are on there too. Um, thanks for having me. All right. He's been Baldwin. I'm Matthew Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle. Check out Betting Pros and Fantasy Pros for all of my work. Best bets, player props, fantasy favorites, player projections and rankings, and more. That's going to do it for this week 15 market movement and power ratings edition of the Betting Pros pod. If you like the show, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck and see you next episode.